So, John, if you went on scout camp, what would be your most useful skill? Mm, See, so, you now I was a scamp for all of like a scamp. A scamp. <laughs> I was definitely a scamp. <laughs> a scout. I definitely yeah. was a scout for a week or two back when I was a wee boy. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Only, 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 only a week or two. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. It may not surprise you. It didn't really take for me. Mm-hmm. I noticed there was a badge for like staying indoors. <laughs> I'd have killed you that. Just n- and just never left the tent. Just yeah, running, not even the tent. Just you know, four walls and a roof, please. You know, <laughs> running away from danger. Yeah, running away from danger, that'd be a good one for yeah. you. Hiding in the library. Hiding in the library, yeah. Probably walking into branches and stuff like that. Accident, yeah, the accidental injury badge. Yeah. All over that <laughs> one. <laughs> Using the most bandages. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Maybe the first aid badge purely just for the amount of medical <laughs> stuff I would have got through. The first aid badge just because they've run out of bandages and you need to patch it up or something. Exactly, yeah. It would have just been stitched into my skin to cover a gaping wound, yeah. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box at the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels and spin-offs to Up, the Pixar film from 2009, I think it was. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the submissions that they've put on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk through some of our favourite bits and give a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host of The Most, Cubs Got Badges. Pro- probably, because I was in it for more than two weeks. I think that's probably a fair, yeah. Yeah. And joining me, as always, the man who's going to earn me my Helping the Elderly badge <laughs> next time he needs to cross the road, is John Lucas. Happy New Year to you too. <laughs> um, so looking forward to another 12 months of this. <laughs> yay! So yeah, happy 2020, everybody listening. Yay. This is our first episode back. Mm-hmm. And as is tradition on this show, we always do a Pixar film as our first of the year. And you know what? I really like this tradition. Yeah, it's good, isn't it's it? Good. It's a very nice way to ease you into a new year. And it also means we're not going to waste all the Pixar films. That is true. It's just one a year. We'll try to not do any for the rest of the year if we can help it. And mm. just, yeah, work our way through them slowly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's really nice, I think, after, you know, Christmas and everything, you, everyone's on a bit of a bit of an energy low. It's mm. really nice to just be, oh, I've got to get to watch something that's nice and heartwarming and short. Yeah. Like, this was such an easy, such an easy way in. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about this time last year, you, you gave this exact same speech at the start I'm of Inside Out. Yeah. And part of it, you were saying that, well, like, through December, we had to watch so many crap films like Mortal Engines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, there weren't any this year. Oh, of course there was. There was Cats. Why is there always a really, really bad film in December? Because that's the... It's, 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 it's the real swing for the fences time of the year, I think. The thing, things either really hit or they really don't. Mm. And I would say Cats was ten times more enjoyable than Mortal Engines. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I hated Mortal Engines. Oh, yeah, yeah, because Cats was enjoyably bad. But yeah. Mortal Engines was... Just, just a complete... I mean... That was a slog. I think we're the, we're the first ones <laughs> to mention that film since last December. Like, talk about, like, erased from history. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that that that, that was no good. Yeah. But yeah, no, I know what you mean because like Christmas and New Year, it's just a lot, and I'm doing the year end roundup as well. That's a bit of a big one for us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was nice to have a nice easy film to get us back into it. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yeah, good call. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Well, th- this was your call, so... True, but I think this is your tradition, so... Sure. But uh, why did you pick this film over others? Well, we are starting to run out a little bit. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a fair few left. Well, but... we've got through two big ones, but there's still a few left. Yeah, but Up seemed like a, a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah. It's one of the still, big ones. There's still Ratatouille, there's still A Bug's Life. There is, and I look forward to doing The Good Dinosaur, whatever that is. Well, yeah, maybe... Coco? Coco, yeah. I don't know. I thought about all of those. Brave as well. Mm. But it just felt like Up is probably the biggest one that we haven't done yet that doesn't have any sequels. Sure, sure. It felt like a bit of a no-brainer and one that was yeah. we're bound to get to at some point. So, yeah, I thought, why not? Yeah. Mm. It's a film I know. Not amazingly well, but I have definitely watched before. Okay. Presume you have as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. I, I'm i fond of it, and so I thought it seemed to Like I said, ease us in. Ease us into the year. Yeah. 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 Before I announce my, I don't know who... Annette Benning's season for next month. Yeah, no. <laughs> not happening. Oh, okay, okay. You're not picking a season over again. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> we did uh, discuss this. Anyway, so Up. Yes. Tell me about it. Tell you about Up. Okay, so Up is, as you mentioned, it is a Pixar movie released in 2009. The story, I guess, do you want to plot summary? Yeah, it's, pretty much, yeah. There's not much to- point to about the cast of it. It's an animation, <laughs> like, you know, it's a bunch of voice actors. Yeah, so... Either you know it or you basically know it. Yeah. It's a lovely, whimsical little film. Uh, I think definitely heavily inspired by Japanese anime in some ways. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the, like, the animation and the plots. Not entirely, but in, just in some ways. It opens with a infamously sad 10-minute montage mm-hmm. of a little boy in the 1930s or something who mm-hmm. meets this adventurous little girl and they you know they bond and they fall in love and then the montage carries on and they get married and so mm-hmm. it's lovely it's so happy and then oh and then she has a miscarriage and they can't have babies and so oh, that's a bit that's a bit bleak yeah but then it's okay because they decide to just live each day for them each other and they have mm-hmm. wonderful adventures and they build a lovely house together and mm-hmm. they plan to go on an adventure one day to paradise falls in south america mm-hmm. but life just keeps getting in the way they can, mm-hmm. you know, different things keep happening that cost them money like the a roof needs repairing or mm-hmm. he breaks his leg something or happens and then time passes by and they both get older and then uh, then she gets sick and then she dies and yeah. it's really sad <laughs> yeah well see so, you know i watched this again uh now and before i was thinking like how sad actually is it? Because from memory, she, she does just die like at the natural end of her life. Mm. It's not like a tragic, and that's completely that's exactly it. It's not like a tragic death or anything. It's just she gets old and she dies. Pretty much, yeah. And like that happens to everybody. Yes, absolutely. And it's fine. And it, it, it is sad, but this isn't like the saddest. This isn't even the saddest five minutes of any Pixar film. Well, if you really think about, I say it, the yeah. majority of Pixar films are sadder than this. Yeah, if you really think about Finding Nemo, the opening of that's pretty horrifying. Like, yeah. Nemo's mother and all his siblings get brutally murdered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Many Toy Story films are much more tear-jerking than this. I sure, think. sure, sure. I mean, it still got me. I mean, I was I watched it on New Year's Day, so I was probably in a little bit of a fragile state. So okay, yeah. It still got me a little bit, but I know what you mean. It's not like it's tragic. It's more just sad. Yeah. yeah. Sad but sweet but sad. Yeah, yeah. It's very nicely done, and it's uh, again similar to Wally in a way. It manages to do for the first ten minutes. There's very little dialogue. They do a lot just with the the visualization, and again, just that gorgeous Pixar animation where mm. it's all done with the facial expressions, and mm-hmm. the music, the score for this film is lovely. It's really cute, isn't I it? I looked it up, and it won the best, the Oscar for best score, which oh, I was very it? pleased oh, by because yeah, it's a really really nice one. Mm. Yeah. Can't really think it. Th- I don't really find it that memorable right now. But ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Hmm. See, there you go. Yeah, that's that, that's it.
that's our opening. And then, so that leaves us with the old man, whose name is Carl, otherwise known as Mr. Fredrickson, mm-hmm. depending on who's speaking. Mm-hmm. Voiced by Ed Asner, who's an American TV actor, I think. Sure. Uh, anyway, so he is now a lonely old widow, I guess, and he's living in... He's still living in the same house, and he mm-hmm. still talks to Ellie like she's there, but actually, obviously, she's long gone. Mm-hmm. And the house is now the last... Not, 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 not like he's imagining that she's there. No, he'll, just... he'll just, like, talk to a picture of her or something. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah. delusional, he's just kind of... Yeah. yeah. Or is he? Maybe the whole film's a fantasy. Well, I mean, yes, of course. It it, it definitely is. Sure, yeah, sure. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't really go there. But his house, the house that they had together, lived together in, Mm -hmm. is now the last surviving house in the sense of this giant, like, construction project. Mm. He's refusing to sell up because Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to let go of his house. Yeah. And then he... And, And then one day... Um, a van comes along as part of the construction and reverses into the mailbox that that's it. Yeah, his um, mailbox that he and Ellie painted decades ago when they first moved um, into the house. Yeah, yeah, which he's very, very attached to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets a bit angry about that and he whacks the guy on the head with his uh, walking stick. Yeah, so then he gets ordered to move into a retirement home. Mm-hmm. But while he's packing up, he also meets a cute little boy scout mm-hmm. uh, called Russell. Yeah, who knocks on the door trying to get his elderly assistance badge something like that yeah. yeah he wants to help him to walk across the road or something mm. and he's got no time for this so he tries to get rid of him but the little kid is very persistent so to distract him he gives him a phony task to do which is to find a bird called a snipe mm-hmm. which he claims is like ravaging his vegetables or whatever yeah um, and so the kid goes off eagerly searching for the snipe then he, and then in the meantime all this happens when he loses his house and he hitches his plan mm. which we discover later on when they come to collect him he has attached a bunch of balloons to his mm-hmm. roof or to his fireplace for his chimney. Yeah. Because back when he was married to Ellie, he was a balloon salesman. We see some flashbacks mm-hmm. of him selling helium balloons at the zoo, I think. Yeah. So he attaches thousands and thousands of zoos to his house. The balloons. Balloons. He attaches... That's <laughs> a different movie. He attaches thousands and thousands of balloons to his house. Uh-huh. And magical Pixar, whimsy, the house flies away into the sky. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, so what his plan is, apart from to get the hell out of Dodge before he goes to his his retirement home, (laughs) is to go to Paradise Falls, which is where he and his deceased wife, Ellie, were planning to go on an adventure. It's Mm -hmm. it's somewhere in Venezuela, I think, or South America. Yeah. Uh, So while he's up in the air, uh, he quickly discovers that he has a stowaway on board, which Mm -hmm. is Russell, who Mm -hmm. has been, was under the house looking for the snipe bird, and got dragged away with him, which he's not happy about in the slightest. No. (laughs) This whole sequence was really funny to me with uh, Russell's general being in incredible physical danger in a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's lots of him nearly falling to his death. <laughs> Many times. I did like the one that was... So just after this bit in the plot, Carl's like, okay, well, how can I... You know, this is pretty unsafe for you. Yeah. So how can I uh, get you to safety? And then it hard cuts to him lowering him out of the house using uh, tied up bed sheets. Oh, yeah. Because he's seen like all the skyscrapers he'll drop on top of a skyscraper. And then he just drops him like between two skyscrapers and like, what? And then it just cuts. And it turns out that was all in Carl's imagination. Yeah, like, yeah that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they get to the island. Because mm. Carl gets knocked out, doesn't he? And he sleeps off. Yeah, then, I think so. And then rallies out Russell, steers them to the island, mm. basically. 
someone yeah. navigates them. So yes, now they're on the island. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically, due to whatever, they've both fallen out of the house. Yes. And can't get back in it because neither of them can, cl- can climb up the hose pipe. Oh, that's it. The house is still floating on a rope, so they can drag the yeah. house. They're yeah, the, 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 the house is a bit low on helium, basically, so mm-hmm. it's floating about two metres off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they can just drag it through the air, because, you know, that works. Physically, that, that adds up. Really? Yep, that, that that works for my science. Okay. Yeah, he would just need to get the momentum up on, on, on that house, and then he could uh, walk all day. That'd be fine. Yeah, I guess. Well, anyway. Although I really don't get the impression that he could walk all day. No. no. Given he can't walk upstairs. No. <laughs> he has a stair lift. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this island has, like, magical rejuvenating qualities to it. Oh, okay. I did yeah. wonder that, because then when they meet the adventurer, who must be mm. in, like, his early hundreds. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because he was, like, a grown man... Back in the 1930s, yeah. Yeah. So maybe this is like this mysterious island, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, point is, he's dragging around his house, but he's really dra- what he's really dragging around is his grief. <laughs> Subtext. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so they're dragging the house, uh, and then they, they quickly run into... They run into the bird first, don't they? Uh, yeah. They run into this yeah. tropical bird called Kevin, mm-hmm. who they quickly realise is actually a female. Mm-hmm. And it's just this giant bird of paradise that's running around and doesn't seem to be the sharpest tool in the box. So... Basically, the context for this bird is, and the other explorer, so this guy back in the 30s, Christopher Plummer, he... Charles Muntz, the character's called. Charles Muntz, yes. Who, he, yeah. he is an explorer of sorts who, at one point, goes to this South American country and comes back with the skeleton of one of these birds. Yes. Um, I forget what it was called, but it's the same bird that Carl made up at the start. Um, oh, the snipe, the snipe. Snipe, thank you. Yes, oh, uh, Christopher Plummer comes back with this snipe skeleton mm-hmm. back in the day. And everyone's like, oh, that's just a fake skeleton. That's not real. Mm-hmm. Come back with a real bird and then we'll believe you. You'd think basic DNA tests, yeah. right? even in the 30s, <laughs> would be able to establish it was real. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you could do that in the 30s. But either way, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like, back in the 30s, the public basically say, oh, yeah, go away, get a real bird, and then we'll trust you. Okay. And, Ingrates. Uh, I can see why he's quite bitter, to be honest. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he risked his life for that thing. And so, yeah, then he goes away in the 30s and never comes back. And He disappears, yeah. Yeah. And then, so when Carl and Russell arrive, and they come across this bird right away, um, I mean, I don't think they recognise it right away. I don't think they realise that's the same bird. Although, it it is established at the beginning of the film that Carl and Ellie both idolised this Mm. explorer guy months. Yeah. And that's, he kind of inspired their desire to go to Paradise Falls, and their Mm. desire to be adventurous. So he's like their hero. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so they've, they've met this bird now. Yeah, they make this bird, and it kind of follows, and Russell becomes very attached to it and it starts following them along as they're trying to drag the house and then they shortly afterwards run into a dog called Doug mm-hmm. who is maybe the highlight of the film I don't know yeah probably it's definitely what Pixar was trying to be the most iconic character oh yeah it's a lot of fun it's yeah. a dog wearing a collar that means it can speak but mm-hmm. very much, it's very much speaking in dog yeah and uh, yeah it's adorable love it <laughs> I would very much like you to be my prisoner please yeah. <laughs> I have just met you and I love you <laughs> yeah <laughs> just very enthusiastic and squirrel you know, yeah <laughs> yeah it's a good, great character a great a, a classic Pixar creation mm-hmm. yeah uh, and so Dog wants to take the bird prisoner mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't really it's just what he's been told to do yeah but he kind of joins the crew as well and the four of them become this little pack uh, but then it turns out that Doug is part of a wider pack of dogs, all of which are under the control of this Charles F. Muntz, who's been stranded on the island ever since the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And he appears to have gone quite mad. Mm-hmm. 
he has d- developed these collars for all of the dogs that allow them to speak. So you've got mm-hmm. all, all these different dogs that can essentially speak human, but they're kind of the evil dogs. They're like Doberman Pinchers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the leader, it's called Alpha, I think. No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's Alpha. Yeah. And that one has... It's got a malfunctioning collar, so that it's mm-hmm. even though it's very menacing and sinister, it also has a very high-pitched, like, helium evil kind of voice. It sounds like a lemming. I enjoyed that joke a lot the first time I watched this. Mm-hmm. This time round, it got old very quickly. Yeah, I still liked it. Okay. It's a short film. It doesn't beat you over the head with too much. True. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that when they fixed the collar, it was going to go to some super recognisable voice. Oh, yeah, that'd be great if it was like a celebrity voice. Like, yeah. hello, I'm Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, they, uh, I think they missed a trick there. That right? would have been really funny. I would have liked that, yeah. Oh, yeah. well. Oh, man, Master will not be pleased. We better tell him someone took the bird, right, Alpha? No. Soon enough, the bird will be ours yet again. Find the scent, my compadres, and you too shall have much rewarding from Master for the toil factor you wage. Hey, Alpha. I think there's something wrong with your collar. You must have bumped it. Yeah, your voice sounds funny. <laughs> Beta, gamma. Mayhaps you desired So yeah, they meet the dog. They meet the bird. Then the other dogs attack them. They manage to fight, fend them off. I think, but mm-hmm. uh, they get captured. Oh, that's um, it. By, get... by the dogs, mm-hmm. uh, but the dogs don't find the bird. They get taken in to go and see Charles Munts, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, hey, you're my guest now." Yeah, initially he's friendly. Yeah. He's not instantly um, a villain. Yeah, he gets more dinner and stuff like that, which... Well, he's trained all the dogs to be his butlers, which I found delightful. Yeah. <laughs> and also super unhygienic. Oh, yeah. I was, I, I was wasteful. Thinking, I was thinking about like the logistics of a dog cooking you like a proper meal, mm-hmm. and it, it did not It did not please me. No. <laughs> a lot of hair. Yeah. A lot of drool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Horrible. Anyway, yeah. But he's gone mad, you know, so maybe that's part of it. He's gone completely insane. I guess. Which, uh, yeah, the, the film quickly reveals that he's yeah gone quite mad. And it heavily implies that he's murdered everyone else who's ever found him on this island. Mm-hmm. Well, it basically said that. Like, he had all their helmets. All that, exactly, yeah. It essentially says, without it, saying... It may as well have been a collection of heads. Pretty much, yeah. That might have been <laughs> a touch too dark. But, yes. <laughs> and so while they're staying with the old man, uh, who still has his kind of Zeppelin, his the Spurs mm-hmm. Adventure, the, the vehicle that he arrived on. Yeah. That's when the bird shows up again, and it turns out that the same bird that's befriended Russell and Carl is the bird that he has been looking for his entire life. Mm-hmm. And they just seem to find it by accident, so... Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So the bird gets captured. Uh, Carl, the old man, he, he tries to convince Russell to just leave it alone, and like, it's none of our business, and let's just try well, and get out of here. Well, yeah, then he basically does, and he carries on his mission to go and get his house to that exact spot next to the yes. waterfall. Yes, but Russell, the little boy... Sneaks back onto the balloon to try and rescue the bird. Mm-hmm. Is instantly captured himself, mm-hmm. and then that forces Carl to go in and rescue the little boy and the bird. Yeah, by doing so, he has to basically give up his house. Pretty he much. has to let go of his grief. Yeah, I'm kind, not go with this metaphor. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. he's he's still got the house, but he's just gutted it of all furniture and everything. Oh, that's another thing where I thought, my God, how much pep have you got? Yeah. How long did it take to empty out your entire house, all your worldly possessions? Yeah. Like, four posts of bed, cupboards, yeah. chairs. Yeah. Like he said he can barely use a stair lift. Back on, back on. <laughs> this island, Paradise Falls, definitely has some kind of magical qualities, I think. Mm. Yeah, must do. Anyway, so he does that. He empties out his house so that his so that he can float a little bit higher. And he catches up to the Zeppelin mm-hmm. and, like, jumps on board and manages to rescue... Russell, mm-hmm. Doug helps out as well, fights off the other dogs, I guess, and yeah, I think become, so. becomes the alpha dog, puts he, the other dog into the cage. Sort of tricks them, basically. Yeah, yeah. essentially, yeah. Mm. Uh, there's a big old fight on top of the Zeppelin, mm-hmm. 
uh, old months falls to his death. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of falls to his death, but it's also kind of exactly what Carl tried to do. How do you mean? It's borderline murder, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, sure. It, it, it's in, like well, Carl. Carl's basically like, oh, you guys are in the house. I've got an idea. You guys stay there. Get on the bird. And then, hey, Charles Muntz, the bird's in the house. Go into the house. Hmm. Oh, no, it's 100% murder, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, he just tricks him to fall into his death. It's, yeah. um, I mean, it's kind of self-defense, I guess. Sort of. I mean, it's definitely a bad guy who, due to his own actions, died. Yeah, he, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd say this is the closest that Pixar has come to legit murder. Mm, yeah, he'd still definitely facing some... There's a lot of charges awaiting Carl when he gets back to America. That. Mm. So the old man falls to his death. Yeah. And that's the end of the film, essentially. They all, then they reunite Kevin with his... Oh, they found out that Kevin's a girl and has chicks. That's it. Oh, yeah. So they reunite Kevin with his chicks, mm-hmm. her chicks, I should say. And then they take the dogs back to America. And it's, all ha- it's happily ever after. They, Russell and Carl stay friends. Mm-hmm. Russell gets his badges. Mm-hmm. He's helping the elderly badge and also the early award for adventuring or some yeah. stuff that the old man makes up. Yeah. And it sends on a lovely note of them just being pals and just, you know, they've added value to each other's lives. Because you find out over the course of the film that Russell's not got a good relationship with his dad. I think his parents are probably... Mm. It very much hints that his parents are divorced or his dad's not really very present. Yeah, it does. You see somebody who I assume was his mum at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point is that Carl has become like this father figure for him. And mm. they... Yeah. And, and obviously he... That means that Carl, who never had kids in his own life... Which I feel would have been just a little bit better if Russell's dad had died at some point. Yeah. I feel like that would have made more sense. Well, some, some dads are just absent, you know. Yeah, I think nice. it was nicer to just just generally keep it vague, you know. Mm. Yeah. You can yeah. interpret it in any one of a number of ways. Yeah. And that's the plot, really. Yeah, that And then it ends on another little montage of them having loads of adventures with the dog. Mm-hmm. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a cute film. It's a nice film. Like I said, a nice one to ease our way into 2020. Yeah. yeah. Just wait and see what I've got for you next week. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> I'm already worried. <laughs> Russell, for assisting the elderly and for performing above and beyond the call of duty, I would like to award you the highest honor I can bestow. The Ellie Badge. Anything more to talk about, or do you want to do drinking? Uh, unless you've got any thoughts, so I think we could just go to drinking. Yeah, yes. Let's go for it. Okay, first one I've got is, I imagine it, everybody's probably thought of this, drink whenever anybody says squirrel. Oh yeah, definitely. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I had one just drink for adorable dog stuff. Okay, yeah. Oh, the dogs were so delightful in this film. They were, yeah. Every time the dogs just do stuff, like, doggy fighter pilots, mm. and then they get blown up and they're on little parachutes. Yeah. It's a delight. It's charming. <laughs> So charming. I like the dogs playing poker with doggy treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're, they're, they're doing that, that classic portrait, aren't they? Yeah. Before dogs. Oh, anything cute with dogs, basically. Yeah. Uh, next up, I've got drink whenever balloons burst. Oh, yeah, I drink for balloons. Just drink for balloons generally, but mm. balloons bursting is probably better because they're always present. Yeah. 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 <laughs> drink every time the old man is unnaturally strong. <laughs> Either old man. I Either assume. old man is is unnaturally strong. Like, yeah. there's one thing that's generally running about a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. and also dragging a giant house, mm-hmm. which, as we discussed, may or may not be physically possible, who knows. Mm-hmm. There's also a scene when he is supporting his own weight on a, like, on some monkey bars. Yeah, I clocked that. <laughs> I don't think I can do that now. No, I, I can do it now, but not for long. No. When was the last time you tried? No, probably a couple of weeks ago. 
Really? Yeah. What were you doing on a monkey bar a couple of weeks ago? I just I, I really like kids' play parks. Where? When? I mean, there's a park right next to my house. There's also parks that I go to with my niece. Oh, okay. Really? You've been on, you were on a monkey bar, like, this past month? Well, perhaps not exactly this past month, but within the past three months, maybe? I, I, I don't know. Do, okay. do you want a specific date? It just seems I, like so an unlikely I, thing to do. In... I, don't, I don't have one. Okay. Well, I like to push myself. Also, I, I just really get excited by kids' play parks. Okay, fair. It brings out the child in me. Also, the one right by me has a really good one that's a lot more adult-friendly. Okay. As in, it's a monkey bars that when an adult is dangling off it, their feet aren't touching the ground. Oh, so okay, so it's a good size. Yeah, because okay. otherwise, like, what's the point? Oh, sure, yeah. You yeah. just walk it otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's something I didn't know about you. <laughs> You're a child at heart. Well, it's a good way to sort of goof around when there's, when there's kids about. Burns my, my own energy, and they get really entertained by it, so. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fine. <laughs> Look at the fat man on the monkey bars. <laughs> Twat. <laughs> uh, I think that's all I've got. Last one I've got here is drink whenever you see a picture of Ellie. Oh, yeah. Or any reference or to references her. Or reference talks to Ellie. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, she's very present in the movie considering she dies in the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Um, okay, so before we get to sequels, just want to let you know, listeners, that we are actually available on Patreon.com. So if you've enjoyed this episode at all, please go to Patreon.com slash set where you can support us for as much or as little as you think we're worth. If you do, you get a few bonus features, including a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where I'd say about weekly, but this time of year it's more often than that, really. Yeah. Uh, we review cinema releases. So we've just done a big push for the end of the year, and you know, in the next couple of months we've got all the Oscar films coming up. Yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely probably up our output over Oscar season, because we're going to be watching a lot of films to get through all of the nominees between now and... Is it February, March? The, it's early March, isn't it? So uh, I think it's mid-February. Mid-February, the awards, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're going to plough through all that. Yeah. yeah. But even when we're not in those seasons, we do go to cinema after pretty much every recording we do every week. So, you know, we're always with it with the latest films. And if you want to hear our thoughts, that's where you go. If you don't, then, you know, that's fine. Yeah, screw you. Yeah, yeah. Seen, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> a bit yeah. harsh, John. <laughs> um, uh, but tonight we're off to see Jojo Rabbit, which mm. is definitely one that we're, we've been anticipating for a while. The new... Taito Wakisi film, which is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it should be interesting. Also, if you become Patreon, there are a few other benefits that you get from that. Uh, every month, every Patreon gets a 30-second advert slot on the main show. Mm-hmm. Where you can talk about whatever you want, your own podcast, your own business, whatever you feel like advertising, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's your time. Talk about what you want, within reason. Yeah. Also, once a month, we get a Patreon on the main show to... Choose a film for us. You can guest on it if you want. You don't have to, though. It's up to you. Also, to become a Patreon, you get extended versions of the main show as well, mm-hmm. where we, I don't know, just ramble a little bit more. If you like the sound of us talking, then that's, that's a bit extra. Yeah. No, it's good. You get you. extended plot summaries, extended drinking games, more listener submissions, just more of everything. So it's right. just an extended version of the show. John knows this stuff, because he does the editing. Yes, I do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, when you when you are a Patreon, you get access to our exclusive Facebook group, which is the patrons only to talk about, again, whatever they want, really, but it generally revolves around uh, different films and reviews and our new episodes coming out and future releases and stuff like that. It's generally a really nice place on the internet. Yep. In a place that's full of conflict, this is a place that's not... Basically, all that available patreon.com slash beyond the box set. Yep, or for as little as two dollars a month. You can subscribe, pay as much or as little as you like. So, mm-hmm. yep, thank you very much.
Bonjour tout le monde, I'm Finn, and every Tuesday I host a podcast called Passport People, in which I talk to people from around the world about the places that matter to them. What is so special about each location? What makes each place tick? Where are they headed? To join us on our round-the-world trip, talking to a diverse range of fascinating people from an incredible variety of professional and cultural backgrounds, search for Passport People in Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Sequels. Uh, yeah, shall I go first? I believe you should, since I picked the film, so... Great. Okay, so I've done a direct sequel. Okay, um, cool. It's called Up to the Stars. Up to the Stars, okay. With number two. Up to... Oh, I like I like it. Up to... Not very nice, okay. Yeah. I felt that was that should probably be a thing. I've, I've surprisingly only had, I think, one listen submission that's also done that. Okay. With, no, I've not had any that had that, so... Yeah, it's all yours. Yeah, it just feels like an easy one to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm interested to hear how it goes. Okay, this did not go the way I planned it to go. Okay. So, a couple of years after the events of Up, um, Carla since passed away. Oh. Um, and uh, Russell lives with his mum, though she's not really part of the story, so... How old is Russell now? Uh, a couple of years older. So, like... St- st- still a boy. Oh, so like 12, 14. Still young. Yeah, yeah. Sure, okay. So, it is very soon afterwards. Like, uh, a year, two years. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's... Not that's like 10 time. years, yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Um, so, Russell is now completely obsessed with balloons. Balloons. Yep. Okay. And he's become quite the expert in them. Okay. Is this Carl's influence, basically? Yeah, basically. Yeah, oh, nice. Basically, okay. Yeah. Um, he can pretty much eyeball how much something weighs and blow up just the right amount of balloons to support its mass exactly. Oh, okay. Um, he mostly but uses... That's what makes him a very popular... <laughs> that's, that's a real popular skill to have, being able to guess exactly what something weighs. At any... <laughs> I bet he's a real hit with the ladies with that little skill. <laughs> That would actually be a very funny montage. Like, maybe he's, like, cluelessly trying to use this as, like, a skill. Like, you know, maybe he, like, sells them. Yeah. Maybe this is, like, something he uses to make extra money. Like, he will give... I don't know if this is where you're going. Maybe he'll give people, like, little balloon rides. And he'll, he'll do it by guessing their weight. And maybe that just backfires horribly when people don't appreciate being told that on the street. Right? That sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could see that being a funny little Pixar yeah. joke. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, well, what I've written here is... <clears throat> he mostly uses this to be super lazy and stop him from having to walk places. Oh, so he just floats himself around. Instead, he just sits in a chair, supported by balloons, and uses a series of hand fans to float around. Uh, okay, so you've written yeah. your own fantasy, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, now, one day, um, he meets a girl called Lily. Okay. Who Does asked, Lily have any reference, or is that just, just a name you took? A name I made up. Cool. Um, who asks him about his weird balloon chair contraption. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell explains about his balloon obsession and gestures behind him to where there is a dog bed with dog asleep in it. Oh, does um, dog also is the dog also, also held up by balloons? Oh, lovely! And attached to Russell's chair by a leash. Oh, that's adorable! So he takes them off for a walk, but now for them actually doing any walking. Yeah, love it, love it. <laughs> um, Lily chuckles and admits that uh, she actually has her own obsession, which is building model spacecraft. Ah, okay. she's, she's always dreamed of exploring the stars. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is nice because the original film, the balloons, as well as being like a plot point, mm. that the balloons were also definitely like part of Carl, the old man, and Ellie's like relationship because there's mm. all the lovely little shots of like them sending messages to each other tied to balloons. Mm-hmm. Little, so I like that you've revisited that so this, I'm guessing this is another kind of meet cute involving you know their shared interests and stuff so. that sort of thing yeah, yeah it's nice. very sweet so Russell remembers back to the adventure he had with uh, Mr. Fredrickson and how th- at the time he found it completely terrifying but also great fun okay so he says well why don't we go to space together then you build a spaceship and we'll get into space using my balloons oh okay oh that sounds like a wonderful adventure she says and then commence the montage 
I've not really said when this montage is going to finish, so I'm just going to keep on reading. Sure. So we see Russell and Lily making a scrapbook together, Lily building some small airtight containers that they can both fit into, mm-hmm. um, different experiments going wrong, with no bad consequences or anything, no. but just... They're trying to figure out how to use a combination of balloons and model spacecraft to actually get to space. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing space travel, basically. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, they're trying to get to the moon, or just to get to space, generally? Just to get to space, I Okay. Think. Yeah. They're probably not thought it through very far, but you know, in this world, I yeah. guess anything possible. They're kids, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, there's bits where Russell adds his balloons to Lily's ship, and they can make a float midair. Uh, at one point, they both get inside it and let the balloons take them really high. They actually get to the upper atmosphere, which is quite impressive. And then, due to the pressure that they've not thought of, Russell's balloons start to pop. Oh no! They come shooting down at terminal velocity. They don't have a parachute, but at the last minute, Lily presses a big red button that she's built into it. And Buzz Lightyear-style wings pop out from the craft, and then they kind of swoop off the ground at the last minute. They don't quite touch the ground. No, I like this. I can, I can definitely see this, like the the whimsical Disney Pixar animation for this. Yeah. And they're not flying; they're falling with style. They are falling with style. But you could you could say you could have that as a cute little callback. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she's got like a Buzz Lightyear toy. Ah, yeah. That yeah, that, that's that's why she's is. obsessed with space. Yeah. That. Per- just bring in yeah, very subtle. Perfect. Yeah. Pixar's cool. full of that, isn't exactly, it? So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, after this, they go back to the drawing board, try to work out a solution. But one of them has to go home for whatever reason. And then we get, we kind of drift into a new montage, I'd say. They repeatedly don't have enough time for each other, and they start to drift apart as both of them gradually get older. How much older are we talking here? A few years pass, and they're no longer part of each other's lives. Okay. Though, every now and then, Russell does get out the scrapbook and smile to himself. So this was like his first girlfriend, so it's something that he... Sort of thing, yeah. Obviously very innocent, young. Yeah, yeah. 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 Not really like girlfriend, but just like best friend. But, okay, time. sure. Just as, you know. uh, yeah. But kind, not kind, friends. kind of how Carl and Ellie were at the very start of up. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. But the, the point is that they're not friends anymore. They're, they're, yeah. Unlike Carl and Ellie, they've actually drifted apart. Completely. Yeah. Okay. So, cut to a few years later, Russell's now in his 20s. Okay. Um, he's finished with school and moved out of his mum's house. Um, he still has Doug with him, but Doug's getting quite old as well. Mm-hmm. Russell has a girlfriend for a while, but only a short while, and she doesn't really like his obsession with balloons, and she finds him to be too much of a, of a dreamer, and she leaves him. Ah, uh, okay. Russell quits ballooning as a result of this, and he, he gets a boring job in an office. Mm-hmm. One day, he comes back from work. Doug's not waiting for him at the door to meet him anymore. Oh, no, not Doug! <laughs> This breaks his little heart. Oh no. He gets very sad, he cries about it. He buries Doug next to Carl. No. And uh, then he, he he goes home and while looking for photos of Doug and Carl, I've teared up a little bit of my own story. You've set yourself <laughs> off of it, yeah, you, you big softy. <laughs> yeah, while he's looking for photos of Doug and Carl, he uh, he comes across a scrapbook of his and Lily's childhood dreams. No. And so he tracks down Lily online. And he gets in touch with her, hoping to rekindle the friendship they once had. Sure. She responds, and meet up a few days later. Mm-hmm. They meet at a coffee shop just off the street where they originally met. And uh, she has a toddler with her, asleep in a pram. Oh, so she's become a mother. Russell immediately asks about him. She explains he had him three years ago with her ex-boyfriend. And she named him Carl, after the stories that Russell used to tell. Oh, that's nice. I thought that'd be really sweet. Yeah. So, what should we name our, ch- our first-born child dear oh I'm, I think we should name it after an anecdote told to me by my ex-boyfriend great no question no wonder that no wonder that didn't last sure I'm dumping you yeah <laughs> so they sit down and have a long catch up Russell reveals to her all his losses and resulting sadness and hmm. 
she reveals to him that she's actually really struggling to hold things together. Sure, she's a single mom. Yeah. yeah. And they have a moment where they look into each other's eyes and they agree immediately that they just want to live together. Oh, okay. So pretty much before the week is up, mm-hmm. or month, whatever is realistic, yeah. uh, Russell moves in and basically becomes Carl's stepdad. Okay. Carl is very cute and adorable and unsurprisingly obsessed with space travel. When Carl takes Russell up to see his bedroom, uh, Russell is completely taken aback. The room has a dark blue ceiling with loads of very intricate stars and planets projected up onto it from a few lights. And the walls are painted sky blue with lots of balloons in bunches. And each bunch is lifting up a different design of spaceship. All as an ode to Russell and Lily's, Lily's childhoods. Aww. So the kid's bedroom is essentially this big like planetarium mm, style, yeah, style yeah. decor. Love it, love it. Yeah. Uh, Russell comes downstairs and Lily is there waiting for him. And she asks, um, after seeing Carl's room like that, is he freaking out about committing to basically becoming a father? Mm-hmm. And he replies, like the event he went on with Mr. Fredrickson, he's completely terrified, but he knows it's going to be great fun. Aww. And that's it. Oh, that's really nice. What a lovely little story. And that is up to the stars. So they never actually go to space. It's actually just about his journey towards... No, because that's completely unrealistic. I mean, so was flying to Venezuela, but sure. No, no, that's really nice. I like that a lot. That's a very. It feels like it's a short movie. I don't mean that as a criticism. Yeah, no, I, I think I feel it, like it's a nice yeah. little. It'd be a nice little Disney short yeah. rather than like a full length feature. You know, like sometimes they do. You know, pre before the movie, they'll show a short. Yeah, I'd like to see like a, a, a ten minute short before whatever the next Pixar movie is. Like, yeah, is, yeah, that could work. That'd be a nice little ten minute short. I think just to mm. catch up with Car- with Russell mm. and you know, yeah, I can see that being that's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. It's nice. nice. Beat that. Okay, so mine is also a direct sequel, and it has some similarities to yours, but it's gone. It has gone in a different direction. So mm-hmm. mine actually takes place ten years later, mm. but we're actually going to open with much in the style of the original, with another tragic montage, mm-hmm. which is going to this time show. By the way, before mine got into the kind of soppy bit about mm-hmm. relationships and getting together, yeah. the whole thing was a tragic montage. It was the whole tragic <laughs> montage. I just stopped myself halfway through, just like Harry. Just, where are you going with this? This is. Just kill the man, kill the dog, kill <laughs> everyone. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's another sad montage. This time we're going to see Russell growing up from like a little cute little boy into a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through his teenage years, and all, but all the time it's going to be showing him with Carl, Mister Fredrickson, as his constant companion and father figure. Mm-hmm. So you know all the stuff you see in the in the credits of the movie. You see them all the different images of them having different adventures like yeah. we see Mr. Fredrickson move into an old people's home and we see them like walking the dog in, you know, in the park and him chasing mm-hmm. squirrels and all kinds of stuff's happening it's lovely so it's going to be like that we'll see them like growing up together however over the years Mr. Fredrickson is obviously going to become increasingly he's going to, he's going to slow down he's going to get much more old and frail you know mm-hmm. as he enters his final years uh, and at a certain point he's going to develop dementia so like that, that, that can be like the sad we can't have babies seen or the sad when she falls right. over and gets sick seen in this one it's like he just he starts to get dementia he doesn't recognise Carl as much anymore. Mm. he doesn't recognise Russell mm-hmm. he doesn't recognise Russell as much anymore mm-hmm. and ultimately he passes away peacefully at the age of 93 or something so yeah. he he has a good life it's not a tragedy yeah. yeah he has a good long life but this little sad opening montage ends with him dying maybe it ends at his funeral and the movie the movie proper opens mm. at Mr. Fredrickson's funeral much mm-hmm. like yours and Russell's there. He's now in his early twenties. You know, he's obviously very sad. He's lost his best friend and you know, father figure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Russell's now in his early twenties. He's still got Doug, the dog. Yeah. But like yours, the dog is now also very old. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be fun if the dog became the new Mister Fredrickson. Okay. 
Like, I'm not going to kill him like you did because I'm not a monster. But I, I like the idea that like you didn't the, kill him. You know, you killed him off. You know. Killed him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Died of old age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but in mind he doesn't die, but he's now he's like a hundred in dog years. Cause it's been like he must be like fourteen, which is very old in dog years. Yeah. So it, it means like because think of how energetic the dog is in the first film. He's so mm-hmm. enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. You know, with all that squirrel and all that kind of stuff. He's like maybe in this one he's like you know this crotchety old dog who like doesn't have any energy anymore. He, he can't mm-hmm. chase squirrels anymore because he's got a bad back leg and right, yeah. he's grumpy all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe he misses his wife who died because there was a scene where he had a bunch of puppies and stuff. So I guess he found a f- oh yeah, guess he found a bitch. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so that's what they're called. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not what anybody naturally calls a female dog. It's not. Well, it's fine. just not. Fine. Okay. You know that that's not what not not what you meant. Okay. Fine. <laughs> anyway, so the dog's old. <laughs> You're a bitch. <laughs> so he's still got Doug. Mm-hmm. Russell is now in his early twenties, and he's got a fair, like, like again, similar to Owen. He's now got a fairly boring, like, office job as a day job. He's, he's not particularly satisfied in his life, but he also volunteers in his spare time as a scout leader. He's mm-hmm. still very much enthusiastic about the scouts. Yeah, uh, but he's also he's a little bit depressed, not only because he's just lost Carl, but also because the kids in his scout troop just aren't as interested in adventure as they used to be, as, as he was when mm-hmm. he was a little boy. Because now, now it's twenty nineteen, and it's all social media and Instagram and stuff, and he's. You just can't get them as engaged into like the badgers and all the adventure that he was he grew up on, basically. Yeah. So he's feeling a little bit adrift, essentially. Also, he still owns the Spirit of Adventure, like Zeppelin, the blimp that uh, they rode home from Paradise Falls in, that uh, originally uh, yeah. belonged to Mister Muntz, the old adventurer. Yeah. So that's still hanging. That's still basically attached to the roof of his house. Okay, his, sure. Or his mum's house, you know, because mm-hmm. he's still living at home like you are. Mm. But he's under a lot of pressure to sell it to a museum because it's incredibly expensive to run. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't make a lot of money in his life. And also, it's very inconvenient to store. It's very <laughs> impractical. It's just a giant blimp, like, hanging out in his garden or something. Yeah. So, with Mr. Fredrickson passing away and the pressure to, like, you know, make a new start in his life and his scouting not really going anywhere, he eventually bows to pressure and agrees to sell it on. Mm. And so, we, we find him... At the beginning of this film, after the, after Mr. Fredrickson's funeral, him and Doug are in the Zeppelin, just kind of sadly kind of clearing it up in, in preparation for selling it mm-hmm. on. So, like, they're clearing up all the dusting it and, you know, brushing it up and just clearing it out to get rid of it, basically. While they're doing that, the old radio, the old-timey, like, 1930s transistor radio, perks up for the first time in years and years and years. Mm. And they receive a mysterious SOS message coming from Paradise Falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with Doug's encouragement, he impulsively decides to fire up the blimp and head off on one last big adventure mm. to honour the memory of Mr. Fredrickson. Mm-hmm. And because somebody needs help and they don't know who it is. Yeah. So, they fly out to Paradise Falls. Maybe that can be part of the film, you know, where they're navigating again through the skies. Oh, yeah. They get there. Maybe there's <clears> a, storm, a mysterious storm again. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But they get there. They land the blimp successfully. And they get out in Paradise Falls, which is just as isolated and beautiful as it was in the first film. Mm. Like, just as lovely. Uh, and they follow the distress beacon. Maybe there's like a tracker or something, I don't know, that says a radar I know, that identifies where exactly the distressed call is coming from. Mm-hmm. And they discover a whole camp of talking dogs. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that when, at the end of the original film, mm. when mo- when all the dogs kind of came home to America with Mr. Fredrickson and Russell, quite a lot were accidentally left behind. Mm-hmm. Because the first film kind of explained or implied that the adventurer months had basically trained all of these hundreds or dozens of dogs to do his every bidding basically mm. so I'm thinking there were much more than they thought of and actually a lot of them got left behind mm-hmm. and obviously now that months is dead they've got no leader anymore mm. so yeah it turns out that without months to guide them 
these dogs who all have collars so they can all speak human. Yeah. Obviously, there's going to be different generations of dogs, but let's just say that they've developed collars for the young dogs as well. Who knows? Sure. Let's sure. just let's just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Without months to guide them, the dogs have split into two camps. Mm-hmm. So there are the peace-loving good dogs mm-hmm. who worship Doug, the old dog, as a prophet who helped release them from slavery. Mm-hmm. And they believe that one day he'll come back and rescue them. Mm-hmm. So they're very excited now that he's back because now they literally worship him as a god. Yeah, which I think would be you know yeah pretty totally. funny yeah. yeah a lot of comedy around that. Maybe they've got like statues of him and like because <laughs> he's still just a stupid old dog, mm. but they just think of him as as this saintly figure. Mm. The other camp is the authoritarian alpha pack who remain loyal to Mon- Charles Monster's memory, the old adventurer, and have essentially they've essentially taken over the island. <laughs> Uh, and they've been terrorising the good dogs and attempting to enslave them. Mm-hmm. Then the last remaining good dogs managed to steal one of Munster's old radio transmitters and send out a distress call, which Russell and Doug have now answered, mm-hmm. and which has brought them to the island. Mm. So that's about as far as I kind of got with it. But I wanted to... I'm, I don't know where that goes. So I'm just thinking that that's basically your setup. So you've got your good dogs and your bad dogs. Mm-hmm. and On the island. On the island, and they've been left because the, the old adventure is dead. And now that I think Russell and Doug need to figure out a way to rescue all the dogs, I guess. Well, there's got to be all the introductions. Mm-hmm. Um, so Russell and Doug, they need to meet the good dogs and find out that Doug is their god. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of joke about how god and dog are spelt backwards. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that is, but sure. But yeah, I feel I like there's something there. Yeah, yeah. I see. They need to meet the bad dogs at some point. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. I was really wondering how you would tie Kevin into this because I couldn't figure out Kevin the bird. Yeah. Maybe the dogs are still hunting for Kevin mm. because they still honour the memory of their fallen leader. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, the yeah. bad dogs, yeah. The bad dogs, yeah. Mm. And maybe Kevin's, like, very good at hiding from people with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. But it's also very... Kevin's also drawn to people who have a good heart, and that's why Russell finds in, in the first film finds him straight away mm-hmm. because he knows he's not a bad person. He's not going to try and kill him or capture him. Yeah. So maybe Kevin shows up again. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, that becomes part of the whole fight, I guess. Yeah. Or the whole conflict of this sequel. Yeah, no, that totally works. Mm. I think at some point, like maybe there's a bit of a fight happening to rescue Kevin from the bad dogs or something. And as that happens... Oh, yeah, maybe the bad dogs have captured Kevin and that's why they sends out an, an SOS. Yeah, that sort of thing. Okay, I and think, his babies. I, yeah. I think the SOS is actually from the bad dogs. Um, and then the bad dogs, while they're carrying out the plan of like, hey, Kevin's captured, come and rescue him. They then steal the blimp. Oh, so the oh, so it's not the good dogs. The bad dogs have sent the SOS as a trap. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's even better. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so to lure him in because they what do they want to go to America or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to go to America to know, take over the dogs there. Sure. Or, or to finish Mister Munster's mission and bring Kevin back to back to the American Museum yeah, Dead or Alive. Yeah. 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 They don't even know why they want to do it. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That works. Yeah. That works. Sure. Okay. Cool. Um, and so Russell and Doug and the good dogs, they're left there with no blimp, mm-hmm. nothing. Oh, so the bad dogs succeed and they take the blimp off to America. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah. And oof, I don't know, but uh, I think from here, like, well, we've got nothing. What do we do? And like, that house is still there. Yeah, because the house was there. At the end of the film, they showed yeah. the house had actually landed where it was supposed to land. And so they go and they go and inspect the house and they see that it's still mostly holding together. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell's like, right, okay, how do we get this bad boy off the ground? Mm-hmm. And he has a quick look around and he finds that in the attic, there are in fact stores of balloons. There's just crates upon crates of balloons. Crates upon crates of balloons, but there's no fuel. Oh, there's, there's, no, there's, helium. No, there's no helium at okay. all. Like, well, that's, that's not good enough. We need, we need the helium. What can we do? Mm-hmm. And then... 
Dog has the idea that, like, well, the blimp flies. Mm-hmm. How do they make the blimp fly after 30 years of being stuck here? Maybe there's reserves. Oh, okay. It's the best good, best good idea dogs ever had. Mm-hmm. So they go back to the cave where the blimp was for 30 years and they find tanks of fuel of helium which the dogs didn't know what to do with yeah I have no, no idea what it was sure makes sense they just use it to make their voices sound funny yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah so then they just they, they fly the house again mm-hmm. and they catch up with the blimp mm-hmm. and maybe there's an air battle yeah. between the blimp and the flying house yeah and maybe it looks like the blimp's got the upper hand mm-hmm. it looks like all is lost and maybe you know, they've got the house in their sights and they're going to knock the house back onto the land or whatever make it mm-hmm. crash land and then last minute Kevin's children fly in and <laughs> save the day yeah you know yeah, like the ones that. that they saved in the original film they come back and save their mother and the team that saved their mother's life in the original yeah that works yeah so it's a, yeah I like that it's coming in the last minute yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah so Kevin basically comes in like the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, full Millennium Falcon, <laughs> last minute intervention. Yeah, yeah, that mm. works very well. And they defeat the bad dogs in whatever way. Yeah, um, maybe instead of it being actual a, a defeat, it's more uh, Russell gets on board and he uses logic as his weapon. Yeah, and maybe Dog manages to give a rousing speech in Dog mm. to make the bad dogs realize the error of their ways, and all the dogs get redeemed. Mm-hmm get rescued, sent back, they get brought back to America. You know, they all get loving families. You know, we can have like a Lady yeah. in a Tramp style message. Like, rescue, <laughs> rescue dogs. Don't, adopt a dog today. Yeah. The birds are sent back to Paradise Falls and given their freedom and given their peace and they promise not to, to reveal their identity to anyone. Mm-hmm. And then Russell goes back to America having had a proper adventure. He decides not to give up the blimp mm. and he decides to become a full-time environmentalist and explorer to kind of protect, help travel the globe protecting endangered species. Yeah. Yeah. With Doug at his side and maybe a bunch of other dogs and all the other good dogs that they've rescued now. Yeah, as, so. long, as, as long as Doug lasts. As long as Doug lasts. All right, yeah. yeah. We don't need <laughs> to really get into that, but sure, yeah. Well, post-credit scene. That can be the third one. <laughs> post-credit scene, the vets. <laughs> the needle. Oh. Well, you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Yeah, very nice. Okay. I think that's good. Yeah. So what was that called? That was up to Isle of Dogs. Mm. Yeah, you know, tying in that film we saw, yeah. Yep. I mean, not that it had much relation to it, but... Yeah, I, I did think of doing something there, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. yeah. I'm quite happy with what I did, at least. Cool. Are you ready for listener submissions? Yeah, sure. All right. I have a fair few. Good. Okay, Chris Warner um, has given one, which I believe is a prequel. Okay. It's uh, Pup. Pup. But the, oh. but the P is in brackets. Oh, okay. And it's The Adventures of Young Doug. Yeah, that's nice. I like that idea. Like him being trained, him being like a bit of an outcast in the dog community. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that would be a good short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one here, which is a very obvious one that has come up multiple times. Of course, it is down, yeah. but somebody's actually uh, posted it with uh, this poster. Oh, oh, oh dear! It took me a second <laughs> to realise what that was. So, listeners, what I'm looking at is someone's done a picture of. Uh, Russell, the little boy, the dog, and the bird looking into a open grave, which I guess is the old man's. Oh, that's that's really upset me. I don't know that at all. <laughs> but very good. I just thought it was the best implementation of oh, giving, giving yeah. that pitch. Mm-hmm. I don't think they did it because they had that comment very quickly that, after. That I made is this far post. too intricate for them to have yeah. done that themselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this last one I've got. Oh, I think it's from a shared Facebook account. This is great. What does that mean? It's from Matt and Christina Abad. Oh, so it's two people. Oh, interesting. Okay. I love it. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, it's generally a thing that like old couples do. Ah, oh, okay. 
Well, they don't need separate ones. They've been married for 60 years. They're just a single entity now. They have no individuality. Sure. Okay. Okay, so they've pitched out. Okay. I don't know why no one else has pitched out yet. That feels like a decent one. Freshly graduated from high school, Russell leaves home for the first time. He sets out on a road trip to college on the other side of the country with an aged dog in a doggy wheelchair. Aww. Over the course of the movie, we learn that Mr. Fredrickson has since passed away, but through a series of flashbacks and imagined productions, Russell remembers the lessons and conversations that Mr. Fredrickson shared with him in the formative time they shared as friends. By the time Russell gets to school, he realises that just because life goes on and we lose those we love, it doesn't mean we've lost our past, because those memories and people go with us wherever we go. Because the crazy antics of the road trip and scuffles with whatever villain there may be, Oh, wait, sorry, I've, I need to change my tone of voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, rewind. <laughs> Go back. Go. Because of the crazy antics of the road trip and scuffles with whatever the villain there may be, Doug's wheelchair is broken when they reach Russell's new dorm. The final shot is Russell carrying his duffel bag into the building. On it is the grape soda pin, and he's walking Doug, who's revealed to have his hind legs suspended by a dozen or so balloons. Aww. Uh, I do actually have... Two more. From okay, but that was very nice. I like that. that. That was very sweet and yeah, philosophical. Yeah. Two more that are the exact same idea from two different people. So Shane Dodas and Lee Michael Holod just says, two girls, one up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> two girls, one up. Yeah. And that's well, my lesson submissions. What do you got? Great, you've got some classy, classy folk there. Okay. Okay. I have some as well. Uh, there's definitely some crossover. Um, so also, yeah, Michael Harmston also said down. Mm-hmm. Ollie Brady said up to Carl's Day in Court, in which he answers for kidnapping an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Colin Baxter said Rick Astley, <laughs> the pop singer, works in a DVD store mm-hmm. and he refuses to sell this film to his customers. Mm-hmm. So never gonna give you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I got, I got that. I'm just imagining a Rick Astley DVD store. I would assume that every DVD would be the music video. Never gonna give you up. Pretty much, yeah. It would have to be. Like, right? It would be. It would all be just like it'd be like Rick Rolling, but in a, on, on the high street. So it yeah. would be all like films and TV shows. But when people took them home, all it would be would be that <laughs> video. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of complaints. Very short-lived store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, over on Twitter, Blokebusters at Blokebusters said. Up! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. The film starts with a silent montage of Russell and Carl over the next few years, ending with a teenage Russell holding Carl's ashes in an urn. So, mm-hmm. It's not that dissimilar to mine. Mm-hmm. Then, Carl ends up getting inspired after watching a news clip about their previous adventure and decides to take Carl's ashes on one last journey. So he, sp- so he spends a year preparing, planning, and obtaining Federal Aviation Administration permission to fly off. Mm-hmm. He also starts a relationship with a newbie clerk in the FAA office. Mm-hmm. As he gets closer to his takeoff date, he realises that he's torn between his relationship and his promise to himself about Carl. We see a flashback to him and Carl talking, in which Carl reflects on his life with Ellie and how that time was more precious to him than adventuring, and that one day Russell would also find someone worth staying for. Mm. So the next morning, Carl goes to tell the clerk that he's staying when he opens the door to find them standing there, bags packed, ready to leave with him. The film ends with the clerk pulling the lever to release the balloons. Mm, oh, okay. so, yeah. The film would then be followed by a third in the trilogy, which would, of course, be titled Away. So up, up, and away. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Verbal Diorama at Verbal Diorama said, Down, it's the year 2080, and ex-wilderness explorer Chief Russell, heartbroken at the loss of his beloved, is being forced into a home. So the little boy is now becoming an old man. Mm. 
He steals the Underminer's tech from an alt reality and decides to borrow it into the Earth on, a, on an adventure, following in his grandpa Carl's footsteps. Mm-hmm. It's the end of one crossing over the Incredibles there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Cinema Adventure Pod at Cinema Adventure Pod. It's a prequel done with the same tone and style as the first 10 minutes of the original. We just see the lives of those people as they live together, grow up and fall in love and ends with the scene at the start where the boy knocks on the door. So I guess that's just expanding the 10 minutes at the start of this movie into a full movie mm-hmm. and then ending with Russell knocking on the door. Oh, that, okay, could yeah. that could be really yeah. I mean, it might be a little bit bleak, but yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week a few days before we record by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave us a five-star review if you would like, because it really helps us out. As mentioned, we're also available on Patreon, where you can find a whole bunch of incentives, including extended episodes, the opportunity to pick the subject of an episode of our future show, and also uh, a 30-second ad slot where you can promote anything you would like. That's also all available for $2 a month or more, whatever you would like to pay. Just go to patreon.com forward slash beyondtheboxset for more information. And you can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Mm-hmm. And next week, Harry, it is your first pick of 2020. I hope you've got something good for me. I'm afraid you might not. Okay, now I'm not sure if you've seen this one or not. Okay. I've got a feeling you've not, but I might, get, might be getting you mixed up with some other people. I want to see if you can guess what it is. Okay. First of all, I want to give you one guess, see if you can ruin my little game here. What, before you even yeah. have any clues? So a completely blank slate? Yeah. Schindler's List? No. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is an Oscar winner from 2013 that had eight nominations. Ooh. 2013. Argo? Or the 2013 awards, at least. Uh, no, it's, it's not Argo. It, got, uh, it, it won three of its awards. Best sound mixing, best makeup and hair, and best supporting actress. Best supporting actress, 2013. Oh my god, I'm really drawing a blank. Their only Oscar award. Their only nomination? Mm, no. 2013, oh god, I should know this. It has a, a familiar director of a film that we've recently done. Like as recent as the Christmas season, or? Mm-hmm. What did we do? We did Christmas of the Cranks, and that was Chris Columbus. I'm guessing it's not that. Same director as the film we just saw in the cinema um, within the past month. Ryan Johnson? No. Tom Tom Hooper? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, not Les Miserables. Yeah! Oh, well, Harry, how could you? <laughs> how could you do that to me? You know how I feel about that film. I, I, I don't. Remind me, have you seen it? Yeah, I hate it. Great. It's one of the worst cinema experiences of my life. Great. I was. It pained me. Great. This is going to be fantastic to talk oh, about. Oh, no. <laughs> Les Miserables, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Well, listeners. Hey, next episode is episode 150. I thought it's got to be a big film. Okay, we're doing it. We're, this is a big film. Everybody's heard of this film. Big finish to the podcast. Yeah. We never speak again. <laughs> great. Okay, well, fair enough. Fair enough, you know what? I'm going to be an adult about this. That's fine. Sometimes, John, you, you, you bring a bad film intentionally. That's true, yeah. Okay, fair I, enough. That's I've, fine. I've not brought a bad film, but I've brought a film that a lot of people hate. I'll take it on the chin. You and you know it. what? I quite like it. Well, let's see how we both feel after reviewing. So join us next week. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much, Harry. Join us next week, listeners. For episode 150. 150! Les Miserables. Yeah. See you then. See you later, everybody.
Bye.